This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. Kato katoa, no my hide my kitty pumanoa o te wahike, or Hannah Hagen to Guingoa, Hemokapuna, a hoa to tie it off, te koteatanga mahaki korongo fakata oku iwi. Kia ora everyone, and welcome to this podcast. My name is Hannah Hagen. I'm a community organizer for GoEco and I run the Climate Action Hub. Uh, today, we are going to be joined by three elected officials from different councils within the Waikato region to discuss local politics, climate action, and how you, our listeners, can get involved. Firstly, we will be joined by Claire St-Pierre. Claire has represented the Perongia District on the Waipa District Council since 2013 and has been the chair of the Perongia Restoration Group since it was founded in 2002. She is passionate about a number of things, but she is particularly focused on biodiversity, conservation and climate change. Secondly, we will be joined by Jennifer Nicholl. Jennifer wears a number of hats in the climate action space. As well as being a Waikato Regional Councillor, Jennifer is Chair for the Waikato Plans Climate Change Workstream and Manutaki for the Waikato Wellbeing Project. Her work has facilitated collaboration and greater action on climate since being elected in 2019. And finally, we will be speaking to Sarah Thompson from Hamilton City Council. Sarah was actually a known advocate for climate action before her campaign for council in 2019. As in 2017, Sarah took the New Zealand government to court for their inaction on climate. Since then, she has continued to fight for greater change, particularly as an elected official for the Hamilton City Council. We'll be discussing a lot about what you can do for climate action. So we'll be sure to include any links or videos that are discussed alongside the podcast. Let's get into it. Kia ora, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Would you just like to begin with telling us a bit about where you come from, who you are, and the work that you do? I'm originally from around here in um, Kirikiriroa, uh, Waikato, and I am currently a Hamilton City Councillor representing the West Ward. And I'm Deputy Chair of Environment Committee and also of our Infrastructure Committee, which are really relevant to climate change here in Kirikiriroa. What were you doing before you were a councillor? Have you always been engaged in climate action? Before this, I was working as a lawyer and while living up and working up in Auckland, I was engaged in advocacy to the Auckland Council around its own targets for reducing emissions and kind of keeping it accountable around what they were actually doing. And before that, I also took a case against the government <laughs> um, uh, to, to challenge I guess, some of its decision-making around setting targets for us to reduce emissions as a country um, and arguing that it really wasn't ambitious enough. Oh, God. Yeah, I actually I actually knew about that because I went to a conference once and I think you were going to be a speaker. I don't know if you actually... Mm. I think there were a lot of changes that time because Jane Goodall was coming or something, but... Um, yeah, so that's so you've been engaged in climate action for a long time then. 
yeah for 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 a while I guess since yes I mean my my case I first filed that in 2015 um but yeah I often get um law students who go hey I know your case (laughs) (laughs) now it's taught in in law class which is a bit funny I guess being a former law student (laughs) yeah no that's um no that's really cool actually because yeah so um I guess what I was wanting to kind of delve into today is more about your Hamilton City Council. So the first question I was going to ask is, um, what has been Hamilton City Council's progress on climate action so far during your election, uh, your elected time? Yeah, um, it's been patchy, I have to say, uh, or inadequate. (laughs) Um, uh, But we're making progress. So... Uh, not long before I was elected onto council, um, so in 2019, the council uh, decided not to declare a climate emergency, but it did decide to um, treat climate change with urgency and create a, an urgent climate change action plan. Um, and I guess I've been a bit frustrated um, with the progress around that. So we since then have created two action plans, but they've and that's been for each year of this council. But in reality, those have been a summary of what we're already doing, kind of highlighting here's all the stuff that we're already doing to address climate change, both in terms of um, reducing actual emissions, say investing in um, uh, low carbon transport choices, what have we got, um, plant, you know, restoring our gullies um, and at the same time adapting to climate change. So uh, ensuring that our infrastructure that we're putting in now is actually taking into account what, say, rainfall is going to be like um, in, in a few decades' time. So those have been kind of retrospective action plans. Uh, so what we're working on now is a climate change strategy which is actually going to set high-level targets for the city and uh, a forward-looking action plan that's going to say this is what we need to do to reach those targets. Um, And hopefully this will actually drive much more ambitious action from the council um, than what we've seen to date. I mean, in our recent long-term plan, um, which is the 10-year budget for the city, Uh, it's set every three years, so it's kind of really a three-year plan. (laughs) Um, We did put in much higher levels of investment in walking and cycling than we ever have uh, for the city previously. And we did put in money for the Nature and City Programme to um, restore biodiversity within the city, which is important. Um, I guess it goes hand-in-hand with with climate change and um, not only sequestering carbon but also just looking after environment as um the climate changes but yeah to be frank it really just all is far from enough yeah Yeah, which which is kind of universal as as well across Aotearoa and really um yeah so what's where where does that leave us what are the next steps regarding climate action for Hamilton City Council Yeah, so getting that strategy right, I think it's going to be really important and that um, will happen before the end of this term. Uh, And so before 
uh, elections are in, um, I guess, really start to kick off around like the, uh, well, before September. Um, so we're, we're planning to have that done and our action, pla action plan in place. And um, that will inform, say, the next budget, um, particularly the next long-term plan where the really big budget decisions are made. Um, and my hope is that we can um, get some much bolder investments and particularly into low carbon transport choices. Uh, tra land transport makes up 64% of the emissions inside Hamilton Kirikiriro's boundaries. So um, unlike other parts of the country, you know, say our more rural um, areas where uh, agriculture makes up quite a large proportion of emissions, transport is our biggest um, challenge and opportunity here in Hamilton and it's similar for our other you know large cities so having bold investment into safe cycleways um, safe walking facilities and uh, safe and convenient public transport is really important so we'll need to be working together with Waikato Regional Council on that because currently Hamilton City Council provides infrastructure and that might mean um, anything from a bus stop to the crossing between bus stops. And we have some horrific roads that are almost impossible to cross um, at the moment uh, to actual priority bus lanes. Um, and that's, I think, when you start getting things like priority bus lanes, that's really where public transport becomes a very attractive proposition for people because, you know, you can just bypass all of the backed up traffic. And Waikato Regional Council, they have increased their investment um, in their last uh, long-term plan around um, having high-frequency bus services. So there's the Comet, which um, currently is the 15-minute frequency bus route uh, in the west of the city, and it goes from north to south. Um, and that's been really popular. We've seen you know, the number of people taking that just climb upwards because it's convenient, you know. Um, you don't need to worry that I've missed the bus because another one's coming in 10 minutes. <laughs> um, and so we're, we're working on some more routes like that, um, an east-west connection called the Meteor, which is hopefully going to go online in the middle of this year. Um, another one, the Rotatuna Rocket, you can hear this theme <laughs> with the bus names. Um, which is going to be on the east side doing the same thing as the comet going north and south. And so, um, but we, we need to do more than that. And those need to be more frequent than every 15 minutes, at least every 10 minutes um, to really get people feeling confident that they can take the bus um, without the stress of, you know, working around timetables. Uh, yeah, some a lot of work to happen between both of our councils to make that that really transformational change with public transport yeah we were um previously talking to jennifer nickel and we were discussing the the different challenges for the the wider region so obviously mm. the broader like agriculture being the predominant source of emissions for waikato but um having 
more specific local challenges so for Hamilton it is predominantly transport but also how it gets convoluted between each council it's not all in one place as well so um yeah so we're also talking about that so um I was just thinking uh, we probably know a fair bit about the climate change strategy but would you like to just maybe explain it a bit more about what the climate change strategy is or means yeah, so it's under uh, that's the Hamilton City Council's one. So it's under development at the moment, and essentially it will set a citywide target for reducing emissions, probably um, in line with what the Climate Commission has recommended. Um, but then also have a, a target for transport. So, for example. Auckland has uh, set a really ambitious goal of basically halving their transport emissions by the end of this decade. Um, I'm not sure where ours will land, but it's about, you know, saying, okay, well, we're going to have to, by 2030 or 2035, um, reduce emissions, say, by 30%, and then go, what does that mean uh, in terms of um, reducing the amount of driving uh, potentially? there will be, need to be a reduction in, in the amount of driving of fossil fueled cars um, and then the increase, what kind of increase will we need to see in the number of people, you know, taking other modes of transport instead, walking, cycling, uh, scootering, taking the bus. Um, so we'll also have a target for our own organisation. At the moment, we've said we'll cut our emissions in half by 2030. But I think... Um, looking at where things are going at the moment, we probably need to show more leadership in that space. So um, it will be elected members will need to um, make a decision around how ambitious we should be with reducing our own emissions as a leader within the city. Um, the strategy will uh, look at the different actions we can take as a council to help the community with reducing their own footprint. So um, I guess... In many ways, we are limited in what we can do as a council. Um, we have a huge amount of influence over the transport system. Um, so that, like I said, is going to be a big focus. Over planning as well. So right now, so it's, it's about how do we use our district plan to encourage the kind of land use um, which which makes it easy for people to get what they need, access what they need um, on a daily basis within their own neighbourhood, not having to travel across the city all the time. So reducing the need for travel through how we um, plan the city. Um, there's also a really important um, adaptation aspect to this. So we know that um, things are going to get hotter, the climate's going to change, um, you know, what we... Uh, our rainfall patterns, everything is going to change in our city um, because change has already been locked in. Like we've already warmed, you know, degree, <laughs> around a degree Celsius and we're going to see more warming with, you know, where things are going. So we have to look at how we prepare so that people still have quality of life living in our city um, even with these changes. And, uh, examples of that would be, um, for example, our playgrounds. You know, we just had an extremely hot summer, um, days that were 32 degrees Celsius, and 
you can't have kids just playing in a playground with no shade, no cover in the middle of the day or even most of the way through the day um, and heat like that. So we need to be looking at how do we provide more shade, more tree canopy cover for our public spaces? Um, how do we, uh, in our infrastructure we put in, design it in a way where you're reducing what they call the urban heat island effect, where, you know, all the tarmac that we have and hard surfaces um, uh, in the city means that our city is a lot hotter than, say, if you just stepped out of the boundary onto a um, paddock <laughs> over in Gordon or something. So uh, we're a big heat trap. How do we reduce that? Um, how do we, for example, make sure that the infrastructure we put in now, so our pipes, um, our, our stormwater systems are going to cope with the changes in rainfall where you might expect um, much heavier downpours? Um, and then how do we uh, also, on the flip side, um, adapt uh, to uh, the hotter summers and where, uh, I guess, the potential strains that we're going to have on um, water supply because we may be seeing more droughts over summer. So it's also, you know, looking at how do we um, reduce our demand on the river and, uh, you know, look at other ways to, to use water, I guess, in a way that's more sustainable. So I guess in a nutshell, it's really looking at what are the impacts um, climate change will likely have on our city um, and how do we how do we change the way that we do things so that it fits that new climate um, and people still can yeah, we're still improving people's well-being mm-hmm. yeah hopefully yeah. ask me any questions you like about this <laughs> <laughs> no it's um I think about that a lot like in terms of, of preparation and acknowledgement of the crisis that we're in um we are going to, we're already seeing changes. We're going to see changes in the future regardless of what we do moving forward. And I know that we probably um, disregard that because it's frightening and it's scary, but mm. um, we don't want to leave ourselves exposed and vulnerable and being like, what you know, in 10 years time when we don't have the infrastructure and we're not ready and we're not prepared, largely what we're needing to do to take care of us, ourselves is to think about that and um, yeah. drastically reduce our emissions in response so we don't see it even worse. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, I appreciate that this is um, interlinked. This What I'm going to ask is interlinked with um, what you're already talking about because you're an elected official that represents your community. But um, I guess it's kind of link, linked to ideas of why we keep doing what we do, you know, and why we remain hopeful. But... Um, what's the climate action you'd like to see for your community when it's not limited limited by the work that you do for council or Mm. um, other people but like what's your ideal outcome for your community there there is a lot that's out of outside of what council can control and so I guess um and I'll give just a few examples because we have limited time but um one of those would be the way that we build um so you know, construction is uh, a very carbon intensive um, uh, industry. And you look at just, for example, the amount of concrete that we use, um, that's incredibly carbon intensive. From memory, uh, if you took, you know, the emissions from concrete um, globally, it would be the uh, the third 
largest emitter in terms of a country. So um, the materials that we use are really uh, important. Um, it's what we call embedded emissions. So, you know, you might um, import a lot of your building materials, for example, um, and those emissions have already, I guess, occurred. And we're maybe not taking those into account the way we should be when we're um, counting our own emissions here. So I think, I think we need to be looking seriously at our building code at best um, practice for buildings so that the materials that we use are as, I guess, um, don't have, have the lowest amount of embedded emissions as possible. Um, and that might be, for example, building with more wood, which is a renewable resource, rather than uh, so much concrete and steel. So um, I think that's really important, but it's something that as a council, we're not allowed to change, you know, require anything above and beyond the building code. It's hard and, and it's hard for us to influence. Um, I think also waste is another thing for our city where we provide the recycling and the rubbish services um, and we can do, we can influence things a little bit. So we've um, provided now food scrap bins. So we don't, we've got you know, half, as uh, half as much, I guess, um, you know, food, food waste going into the landfill as we did previously. We can't really influence um, what's on the shelves in our supermarkets, what's uh, the, the quality of um, products being made. And so while we can provide these recycling services, it's not recycling as far down the hierarchy compared to just reducing your packaging and waste and all those things at the very beginning. So it comes back to manufacturers actually being um, more responsible for the waste that they're creating. Uh, and that all, uh, that's all going to rely on central government largely. Um, and there has been work happening in that space, but it's been very slow. Um, so we're still waiting to see changes that would really um, reduce the amount of waste being created at the front end. But also, like I said, the quality of products and their ability to be fixed and repaired and things. Um, we, we need manufacturers to be more responsible for that. We shouldn't you know, buy a pair of headphones and then they break and we have absolutely no way of fixing them or it costs more to fix them than to just buy a new pair. Um, there, there needs to be ways that uh, and things need to be designed in a way where components can be taken out and put back in and easily repaired. So, um, and looking at our building waste, uh, the amount of waste that's going... Um, currently going to a landfill is massive. Like it makes up the largest proportion of, of landfill waste. And that's when, for example, you're building a new home and um, there's a lot of wastage in terms of offcuts and things there uh, or you know the wrong amount of materials are ordered or whatever it might be. Um, but also uh, just when demolishing homes to, say, put up an apartment block or something, um, the council has put in some requirements around having to have, you know, a waste management plan before you can get your consents. Um, but again, without, say, increasing the, 
the landfill levy, the cost of actually dumping stuff in the landfill, um, then there's still not going to be really the incentive to spend a little bit more to properly sort your waste um, or reduce it in the first place. Um, so, again, we're waiting. That landfill levy is, is coming, the increase in, in, in the cost of landfilling things, but it's been really slow. So, yeah, two examples where I think we could really make a big, big difference. Yeah, and it's change needs to, uh, it's all of our responsibility um, to make that mandate for local government, for mm. government in general, but as a community, making that change happen. So, um, just briefly, is there anything coming up that would be, or is there anything the way our like uh, listeners could engage with climate action or something useful that they could know about? Yeah, I mean, I think that engaging on a local level, um, uh, for example, with being an advocate to your local council is really effective. Um, we we really do listen when you're just ordinary people in the community come to us and say, hey, I, I'm concerned about this, so I'd like to see you do more in this space. Um, and so uh, I'm happy for anyone to contact me if they live in Hamilton and, and do want to get involved. There's always opportunities when we have, for example, environment committee meetings that um, or our infrastructure meetings that you, you can turn up at the very beginning and speak on an issue there. Uh, you can just email your local councillors. Um, uh, there's annual plan and lo the long-term plan um, decisions where, you know, getting involved in those submissions, it, it, uh, we try and make it as simple as possible. <laughs> that participation actually does make a difference. Um, so, yeah, it, I'm very happy for anyone to get in touch at any point with me um, to ask, you know, how can they get involved? Um, but I would love to see more participation, um, more people coming to speak to our committee meetings to really show that this is something that the you know, community cares about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah, and for um, taking time out of your day to talk about this with me and um, to share that with everyone who's listening. So, um, mm. yeah, thank you so much. Well, thanks, Anna. Cheers. Uh, thank you ev to everyone for listening or watching this podcast. Um, if you'd like to get involved with anything that was suggested by our guests, um, any links or videos will be made available alongside this po podcast. Uh, alternatively, if you're wanting to know how to get involved or even have an idea of your own, uh, you can contact me via email at hannah at envirocenter.org.nz. Um, to keep up to date with any more opportunities or with the Climate Action Hub, you can follow our Instagram at Climate Action Hub or on GoEco's Facebook. Um, the Climate Action Hub is a GoEco initiative that facilitates collaboration, hope and engagement with climate action. Uh, we host an event on the last Friday of every month. This podcast is the Climate Action Hub's February event, but you can also check out our October and November events on our Instagram page at Climate Action Hub. Um, we're also always here to support any member of the community regarding anything to do with climate action. Once again, a massive thank you to Claire, Jennifer and Sarah for joining me today. I really appreciate you sharing your time and ideas with us, as well as your ongoing passion and enthusiasm for climate action. Um,
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.